Nebraska Public Media Sports brings you Nebraska baseball. Catch our live coverage as the Huskers meet the Indiana Hoosiers on the Diamond at Hawksfield at Haymarket Park in Lincoln. Watch Friday, May 10th at 6 p.m. Central on Nebraska Public Media. Listening to Hurt at Sports Radio. Here is the sports editor for the Omaha World Herald, Sam McEwen. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Sam McEwen. Uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna throw the ball, and you just stand back there and throw us where you want to go. You know and that kind of thing. Sam McEwen. Are you guys going? Um, sure. Now, Sam McEwen. I thought our guys battled and fought, and a lot of young players came through that, um, you know, just really really proud of. I, I just want to make sure I say, you know, I went to Baylor in the midst of um, trying times before the transfer portal. I think the man, uh, Coach Braun, is doing a phenomenal job. And uh, that team fights and they compete. And uh, um, we, knew, we knew it would go all the way down to the end. Kicking off hour number two here on Herd Out Sports Radio. I'm Robbie Lula. Andrew Rogers here with me. And joining us now on the War Horse Sportsbook phone line is our friend from the Omaha World Herald, Sam McEwen. Sam, how are you this morning? Good, gentlemen. How are you? We are doing pretty good here on a Monday. Uh, obviously, a busy weekend for Nebraska athletics. Uh, let's start with football here. Um, an interesting, an interesting comment Coach Rule made after the game, and I'm curious uh, your thoughts on it. Is that he said they he didn't think they would win they would have won this game earlier in the season. Um, just how did you process that comment? I think he's trying to to communicate to his team that he believes they've grown, uh, and and that and that uh, if these same errors had happened in Minneapolis, they wouldn't have won the game. Just like they didn't win the game up there last time uh, when they played Minnesota, but. I think that's most of what it is. You know, I I think, you know, he gets in motivation mode and is is sort of signaling to us what he told the team. Um, I'll tell you this, they do that again next week, they won't win. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> they played the worst team in the, the Big Ten West and probably the worst team in the Big Ten. I, I don't know what Indiana, you know, will or won't do. So, um they can't do that against Purdue and, and, you know, hand the ball to Northwestern on the 44 and the 47 and the 13 and, and uh, expect to beat Purdue doing the same thing. So, you know, they got to get better. Uh, I think he is going to savor every single win they get. Um, I think that's a good approach because this team, if it, if it plays up to its capability on offense, has a chance to win every game on the way out because the defense is playing really that well. Sam, I guess, do you think this team's grown since the start of the year? They're still making seemingly a lot of the same mistakes, but they are overcoming them. How much of that is opponent-based, uh, and how much of that is do you think they've actually grown? Well, you know, I think they, they, they've made some strides in certain areas. I think they're figuring out most of what they want to do in special teams. Brian Buschini had a huge play in the game. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, defensively, they were a good defense in the first game. But um, they're doing a nice job of handling sudden change. That's probably the healthiest that Nebraska's defensive line has been since so early in the Colorado game. So 
I think that showed. I think they, they were good there. Uh, and, you know, again, like, he, he's going to say what he's going to say, and I appreciate what, he, what he's saying. Um, that, that wasn't my big takeaway from, from Saturday wasn't that. I, I, you know, it's a one-game season every week now, and uh, whether it re- reflects trajectory growth or not, that's that's fine. But but uh, they have a chance here to, to win six games, and and they have a team coming in next week that has this week that's got flaws. They got a chance to win that game. I think it'll be tougher. You know, obviously they're a three-point favorite against Purdue, and they were eleven against Northwestern. I thought the game against Northwestern would be tougher than their line, and it was. I think, uh, you know, at this this moment in time, given that Purdue had a bye week, I, I might even lean Purdue at this point. Nebraska's got to clean up its offense. They, they, they can't do the things that they they did early in that game, and they, they were lucky not to lose one or two of those fumbles. Too. Sam, at any point in that football game, were you at all concerned Northwestern would find the end zone? Because even on big plays, I think to myself, at best, they're getting a field goal here. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I absolutely, I agree. I, I think, you know, uh, I'm sure they would love to take a few of their play calls back the two, couple times they got in the red zone. But, no, I think uh, Nebraska did a really, really good job of, A, you know, knowing what Northwestern might try to do. Uh, and B, just, just playing with a lot of aggression once Northwestern got in the scoring zone. That Nebraska did not did not uh, pit, you know play safe. They they, uh, they tried to break Northwestern instead of being the bend don't break uh, scheme. And I think it showed. I thought I think the, you know Nebraska played well once they got down there. Again, you know Northwestern like a lot of teams they try to hit some of these wide plays and it doesn't really work. Nebraska's been good against those for many years now. Um, Northwestern did hit one. That toss play was really smart. That was a neat play. That and then they got the the forty yarder on the very next one when they fit it. And and Omar Brown was going to go take an outside gap, and that running back cut it back in. Uh, so that happens sometimes. You know, I think teams that watch Nebraska closely should watch the way that you know uh, Northwestern hit a few runs. I think Northwestern has a pretty good idea, uh, and they were close. They're just not a good enough team. I don't think that quarterback's quite good enough, and there's you know there's just a couple things there. But but I, I like I said, I think Purdue can exploit some of those things. They have better running backs for one thing. They have two good ones. One of them is a converted receiver, and I think their quarterback's better. And and so we'll you know we'll see what what happens on Saturday. Sam, you mentioned that this offense kind of needs to play up to their potential. I guess what in your mind, considering the state of who's available still, I guess what is their their ceiling on offense this year? Well, you know, when, when the offensive coordinator designs a nice play and calls it, you know, and you got that bootleg out, it's a play. And it's not they did it later in the game when, when Harburg hit Coleman for the touchdown. You just you just make the plays that are available to make. And Harburg made a really you know, made a good throw and Coleman caught the ball in the sun. That wasn't actually an easy play for him to make, but he did. And, but, you know, earlier in the game, you got the ball first and 10 at your own 36, and, um, you know, it's pretty common for an OC to call a play that's about a chunk play that gets you to the edge of field goal territory somewhere in there, and he called it. And that was a 25-yard game if, if they just hit the pass. And they didn't, you know, and so those are frustrating moments 
uh, when when you call the right play and you got the right thing on and quarterback's got to make the throw. You know, so things like that. Um, you know, I thought they pushed the pile at times okay against against Northwestern. I thought their offensive line played all right. I don't think they gave up a sack. Northwestern wasn't trying to come after them, but, um, you know, uh, the Wildcats played coverage, I think, with the intention of picking off a couple. They got them. They got their two picks early. And, again, a better team, you know, has a 10-0 lead there or a 14-0 lead. And Northwestern had a 3-0 lead. And, and that was probably, you know, the key to the game is that Northwestern wasn't able to get out of the gate and get get a big lead early. Uh, so, you know, I think that's credit to Northwestern's game plan. I thought they did a really nice job. They coached it well. And then, uh, you know, Nebraska, you know, was able to was able to make a, a, enough plays of its own. You know, and, and you, you credit Nebraska for that first half in the first half drive. And then, the you know, knowing – and, again, Satterfield gets a lot of heat. And I get it. I understand it. But but he, he knows what he's doing. It's it, He just doesn't have a lot of – he doesn't have a lot of parts to work with, and and I thought they did a nice job on that deep throw to Coleman. Sam, before I ask this, I'm not saying get Harburg out of there completely in a game where he's struggling, but I did see a lot of fans clamoring for a Jeff Sims return uh, when things weren't going so right for the quarterback. Do you like the approach the staff took in having the player figure out and work through his issues on his own, or at some point – in that game, would you have liked to see Jeff Sims possibly possibly replace Harburg and have Heinrich mentally regroup on the bench as another way of saying, hey, poor play can lead to this? Maybe. You know, I, I, I think that uh, that, was a, that was a tough situation, obviously, for Harburg, and he's got to continue to work through those things. Um, you know, I think going forward, the, the aim is to, is to roll with, with Harburg unless he gets hurt. We're now in this weird space where Sims has only played three games. He's only appeared in three games. And in theory, he can retreat mm-hmm. and and then uh, graduate and then decide what he wants to do from there. And, and I don't know what effect that has on the situation. I just, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to say, you know, where, where exactly things are going. I think ideally they would love to roll, you know, ride Harburg and, and have him get incrementally better and win six games, and and then you get to, you know, if, if, if Sims has only played three, then you get to use him in a bowl game and, you know, send him off in, in a way that, that makes everybody happy uh, kind of thing. So, um, you know, there's there's always that. There's always that possibility. There's always that option uh, lying out there. I, It's just hard to tell, you know. This is what's really hard about about uh, coaching today, guys, is you just you're trying to manage so many different things that have so little um, framework or structure around it. And this is a really good example of, you know, like it, it's just a hard job. They I know they make a lot of money, but it's hard to to try to figure out everything that you're trying to do. This is just me talking. I get rid of the four game thing. I I, I don't think that's been all that helpful. Um, mostly it's just cluttered up, um, you know, rosters and, and, uh, but they're not going to get rid of it because everybody thinks it's, you know, coaches in their mind, I think, think it's great mm-hmm. because it's like, Oh, I could use this guy for a couple of plays here and train him up here and do this here. What it, what it really tends to do is create, 
you know, a late transfer after the person's graduated because they didn't use this year or they didn't use this year. So, and the COVID year makes it hard too. You know, all these players got a COVID year. If you started in 2020, that's a COVID year. That didn't count. And then you took a redshirt year in 2021. You're a redshirt freshman in your third year on campus. And, uh, that's not going to change until after the 2025 season. So, like a Jamari Butler could play through 2025, I think, uh, at Nebraska. So it's there's just a lot of moving parts to these coaches. I, now me, I'm I'm stupid and a and sort of a simple thinker. Same. So I like binary. I, I like binary decisions. I mean this. Like I mean it. I I want it's I want as frictionless a decision making environment as possible. And so like I don't. I think coaches who overcomplicate their rosters by by um and i understand why you know, they'll say well this guy thinks he wants to come back for a six year and i'm like just let him transfer somewhere and be adults and, and move on like it i think that the covid year thing has 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 forced coaches to just hold on to players so on and so forth and i i i think it's better to just kind of keep going and, and replenish your roster and, you know, get guys out in four years and fare do well. And now there's exceptions. Line, offensive linemen usually need a redshirt year, and that's smart. But, but a lot of the guys just play and, and go and, and see what happens. So we'll see what, we'll see what happens with Sim. We're talking with Sam McEwen of the Omaha World Herald. Uh, another spot on offense that has been kind of in flux, and, and I'm not sure – where that's going is that running back spot. Anthony Grant found himself third on the depth chart for the second time this year, uh, mostly we think because of ball security issues. Um, what, do you, what do you think the rest of the year looks like for Anthony Grant? I mean, does you think there's still an opportunity for him to kind of earn back that trust? Or, or I guess how do you think that plays out? I do think there's a chance for him to earn back that trust, yes, I do. I think, uh, for one thing, the ball security of the other guys isn't perfect. <laughs> uh, Bleak, Bleak dropped the ball. Uh, you know, I thought Emmett Johnson played really well, played really hard, ran really hard, and deserves another chance to, to play and start next week, provided his practice is good. So, yeah, I think Grant's got still got a chance, for sure. I think, uh, you know, Rule's a, a guy that, that, that's going to give people chances when he sees that they've produced, look at the way that they play on defense, look at the guy, the number of players that are playing on offense. Um, you know, he, he'll, he'll give Grant another chance, and there's probably going to be a circumstance where they need Grant. You know, Johnson needs a breather. You know, Fleeks, Fleeks isn't, you know, uh, playing well or something. You know, and so I think there'll be uh, a circumstance where, you know, they have to they have to use him again. Emmett Johnson, you know, I'll be – I'll be really curious to see. I'm sure, obviously, I think they'll start this week too. But I'll be curious to see, you know, what uh, how he does just absorbing punishment for another football game. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's this. It's you know, he's he's not six two and two hundred and twenty five pounds. He's he's five ten, five eleven, one ninety in the Big Ten, and so he is a tough guy to to want to do that and to play between the tackles like that. But so is Ramir Johnson, and Ramir Johnson's gotten banged up a lot. So we'll see how Emmett Johnson does um, just disabsorbing that punishment. 
Sam, who's one guy on this team that continues to wow you? A performance you look forward to assessing week to week or have high expectations for, and he always finds a way to exceed it. Puttmaker's been really good this year. I couldn't agree I more. Yeah, he's, he's been good. He's very agile, uh, more agile than he was before anyway, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, gets after it, gets after the – Gets after the quarterback, good pass rusher uh, from that nose tackle spot. Been impressed there. Jamari Butler's played really hard, uh, so his effort is terrific. And uh, he's he's becoming a leader. You know, he's becoming a leader in that room. Uh, maybe learning from Ty Robinson. You know, so those are two guys. And then you know, I just love the way John Bullock plays the game. It, it, you know, he he's undersized, and uh, you know, he's not uh, you know he's not a Jack Gamble out there. Jack Campbell's six three and two thirty, but but Bullock just plays he plays really hard. And he he plays without much concern for, for what he'll go through physically, but he's remained healthy all season long. And and uh, reminds me of a guy that used to play in Nebraska named Matthew May back in the uh, the early Bo era, uh, 2010, 2011, back in there. May was the same way, very fast, very physical. He played safety, I think. Mm-hmm. And and Bullock reminds me of that, but but Bullock is at linebacker because I think uh, Rule wants a faster defense, and so you know they've moved Bullock down to the linebacker, and they have the safeties that they do. So uh, probably those three guys have jumped out to me on offense. I'll say this much: Har- Harburg has there's things about his game that you could really like. Um, I think he was over the line on that first third down conversion. I was surprised Northwestern didn't challenge it. Uh, but that was a good play. That was, I mean, rolling to his left and dancing between the line of scrimmage there and finding Bullock. That, that was that was a really good play. And you know, so there's things about Harvard's game that continue if it just all comes together over the course of the end of this season and the off season. There are things to like about him. And yeah, he missed a few throws, but you just got to keep with him. I think he's I think he's growing each week. And he's got a nice personality, and and I think uh, he need, I think they'll tell him he's got to toughen up in some areas. But but and I don't mean that he's soft, but I just mean mentally tough and, and preparing each week to um, to really you know to to not take as many hits as he does. Uh, there's just things that as he grows as a player, I think he's got some real tools, and I and I think they would be better off trying to develop that than. Unless you can get an elite transfer quarterback, mm-hmm. they'd be better off trying to develop Harburg than trying to find that guy. And you know what? One of the things that's true, those guys are all going to the NFL. They're all going. I mean, the best transfer quarterback you can get, and we've seen this now with the Big Ten West, is just there just isn't that guy. You know, all the West went and got quarterback. I think the guy produced the best one of the, of the bunch, Hudson Card, but they get hurt. They're overwhelmed. Like you might as well just develop the guy you got on your your roster and make him the best player he can be. And I think they're going to try to do that. I you know at the end of the season we'll see, but I think in the off season they're going to put a lot into Harburg and and try to coach him up so that come next year he he's a little bit more polished and a little bit more clear about what he needs to do because he's already a good athlete. Sam, speaking of development, one of the I guess sort of developmental projects we saw 
on display on Saturday was James Williams on the defensive line who played really well. A guy that was on the scout team, according to Matt Rule, even earlier in the week. Um, as you hear him talk about uh, James Williams and you hear him talk about uh, some of the other guys that are currently on scout team, uh, I guess what is what kind of goes through your mind about what the future of at least the defense looks like, right? I don't know that we've heard as many of those types of stories about guys on the offensive side of the ball, but defensively on a unit that's already pretty good, and then you hear Matt Rule kind of talk about hey, we've got all these other guys that are really hard to, to deal with on scout team, and then you see proof of it with a guy like James Williams. Just What are your thoughts on, on sort of the development of that defensive unit? I think it's getting good. You know, I think they have, get, they have to continue to come along. They're not going to have some of these players forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, they inherited four or five good players. They did. I mean, Newsom's a good player. And Robinson's a good player. Hutmaker's become a good player. Uh, Reimer's a good player. Uh, Gifford's a good player. They won't. They won't be around forever. You're gonna see. You're gonna see a kind of a cycle through here at probably by the end of 2024. Most of these guys will be gone, and, and some of them will be gone at the end of 2023. Newsom's gonna go to the NFL for mm-hmm. sure. So you know, I think you've got to continue to recruit players and develop them and, and continue that cycle. I mean, I like the things that they're doing. Uh, you don't always know um, what you need to know until about three years in, and then you start to see who's been recruited, maybe even four years in, who are your recruits versus who were the guys that were that were there before. And as an example, Tom Allen's a great example. You know, I mean, Indiana was, was a pretty darn good football team in 2019 when Kalen DeBoer was calling their plays, and Michael Penix and Jalen Ramsey are the quarterbacks, and, and they've got some football players that were not recruited by Tom Allen. <laughs> they were recruited by other people. And so once all those players left, you know, then all of a sudden it didn't look quite the same. And, and, it's, and that happens. And I'm not saying that rule is Tom Allen, but I'm just saying that, like, you have to be patient to kind of see, okay, once these players matriculate out, what do you bring in? Scott Frost did not bring in enough good players on the offensive side of the ball. And it showed. And it's showing now. You know, the offense last year was Casey Thompson and Trey Palmer and everybody else. And they had to bring those guys in. They had to buy them, basically, mm-hmm. through NIL. And it's kind of that way this year, too. They, they just don't have a ton of players. You know, they, so that side of the ball has clearly languished because of bad recruiting. And they've got to get better there. Um, defensively, I thought they brought in better players because Travis Fisher was a good recruiter. And Eric Chenander had a good eye for certain, you know, for certain guys. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think they're going to they're gonna continue to develop on that side of the ball. The one thing I'd add is, once you add USC, Oregon, UCLA, and Washington to the element, you know, to the conversation, and you wash out some of these Big Ten West teams that have really struggled in the transfer portal era, and I'm going to write about this eventually, how the offenses have gotten worse and the defenses have gotten better, and some of this is because of the portal. Um, it's going to change. You know, Oregon, Nebraska would not hold Oregon to nine points, and Oregon come in here and and, and put 35 on Nebraska, mm-hmm. or 42. I mean, they're good. it's a good team. Nebraska would subsequently score more points, too. Uh, Washington would come in and give Nebraska fits. I mean, Colorado scored 36, and Colorado's got flaws, but one of their flaws is not scoring. Colorado mm-hmm. could score. And, you know, they put 36 on Nebraska, and, you know, they could have put more on. So I think there's, uh, you know, that's going to change things, too. And this league needs it. 
Uh, Big Ten football is it's rough right now, and, and it, it needs more good offense because we're not seeing nearly enough. Sam McEwen from the Omaha World Herald. Sam, we appreciate your time. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Sam. Ciao. That's Sam McEwen from the Omaha World Herald, and we are brought to you by Dyer Law. If you have been injured in a accident or any other issue, you can count on the Dyer Law team to provide you with a helping hand no matter what you're dealing with. Call the Dyer Law team, 402-393-7529, or chat with a professional at Dyer.Law. That's D-Y-E-R.Law. More of Herdat Sports Radio coming up next.